0: Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker.
1: Hi friends. Today we are exploring the American Red Cross. Most people are aware of this amazing nonprofit started in 1881, but here to tell us the stories behind the organization is Barry Porter, American Red Cross CEO of the Eastern Region. Welcome, Barry.
0: Welcome indeed. Thank you for this opportunity, Mary.
1: Well, we're so glad to have you, and I'd like to start with some history on the American Red Cross.
0: You know, one of the things that folks don't realize is that we're a grassroots organization that's been really, by its history, created by individuals in a community saying there should be a Red Cross. No one in Washington, D.C. sat and said, oh, we should create a Red Cross in Raleigh, North Carolina, or in Fayetteville, North Carolina, or Cary, North Carolina. It was the people uh, who decided that based on what the needs of the community are, they would organize a Red Cross. While we have a national Red Cross chartered by the United States government because we were rated to support international humanitarian law and Geneva Conventions. It really comes down to individual communities saying, you know, we need a Red Cross in our community. Unfortunately, in 1917 here in Raleigh, Wake County area, uh, there was a uh, group of women uh, who decided to petition, petition, not partition, petition the national organization after Clara Barton had started the organization way back in 1881, so 141 years of helping to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies. And then our own Red Cross chapters began here, mostly in North Carolina, around World War One in 1917. And we've been serving the community uh, in the area for well over 100 years.
1: That's just absolutely wonderful. I love grassroots. <laughs> what would will, what will we do without them, right? All these efforts. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Individuals caring about their community and so many causes, so many uh, you know efforts to help... Uh, the environment, to help people, to help uh, animals. It's just that when people are organized, we can do great things together.
1: And I want to talk about some of those great things and I want to break them down because there's so many. So I want to take them like one at a time because we have military, disaster, blood donations, et cetera. So let's start with the military services.
0: Oh, I'm glad you'd started there, Mary, because that's the first uh, area that the Red Cross started. Going back a little bit more to that history, a gentleman by the name of Henri Dunant was traveling in war-torn Europe uh, in 1861. He witnessed a battle between French and Austrian forces, and between that and, uh, those forces there were 50,000 casualties in three days. Mm. He uh, helped to be a part of a local relief effort, and he said there should be a neutral and impartial organization that would help victims of war on both sides. So any of our listeners who uh, recall the MASH television series might remember that they were charged with helping uh, the wounded, the dying, the prisoners of war on both sides and creating international humanitarian law. We still do that today, supporting our nation's military here in uh, eastern North Carolina. We already have currently a staff member deployed, not as a military member, but as a Red Crosser in uh, Kuwait City. We have another one who will be going uh, soon because of the Ukraine crisis uh, into Europe. So we are on the front lines helping our nation's military and in our military treatment facilities each and every day with volunteers, a true service that most folks don't know about unless they've served in the U.S. military.
1: Well, we just recently did a show on veterans and a service that's coming out to them, uh, an event where they can go and, and oh file claims and appeals and learn about all the services. So Our veterans, I mean, thank you for your service. So I'm glad to see that one of the things this org does is support them and help them. And another thing that's huge is that the Red Cross developed the first nationwide blood program in 1940, and they still provide more than 40% of blood products in this country. That stat's amazing to me. Talk to me about that a little bit.
0: You're right. In the early 1940s, under the direction of Dr. Charles Drew, an African-American medical uh, doctor who established the Red Cross uh, Blood Program, helped to begin to build it nationwide as we learn more and more about the use of blood type and cross-matching of blood, so that today, now 80 years later, we know that in America, every two seconds, a blood product is transfused. Mm. That's red cells, platelets, or plasma, or other derivatives to help save lives under the great medical care we receive in our nation. But so much of it is based on the need for blood. The Red Cross on a nationwide basis operates about 480 to 500 blood drives a day. Often Mm -hmm. the people will say to me, well, when are you having another blood drive when they've heard it on a podcast or they've heard it on a radio broadcast? But even in eastern North Carolina, on average, we are doing 12 to 15 blood drives every day trying to get blood donations not for the Red Cross, but for hospital patients.
1: And I, I understand with the whole COVID thing, that really took a hit. We've got a great need out there now for blood.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, we had the spike here in the late December through early February, uh, which caused more people to uh, be out, caused more blood drives to be canceled. Uh, and then the hospitals were still seeing an increase in the need for blood. And those two things are not good. Fewer blood drives, fewer blood donations because of severe winter weather and snow and ice all led to what was at that time a crisis. There's still a blood shortage. It's improving because the American people are responding. But when you go back again, married to the idea that every two seconds somebody gets a blood Mm -hmm. transfusion, then every two seconds we need a blood donor. So if individuals have not given in the last eight weeks – Go to redcrossblood.org and sign up to give again.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. And I'm going to talk about volunteers in a little bit, so don't skip there. But I do want to make mention because you told me something about our college students being very supportive of the blood donation program.
0: Yeah, at the age of 17 in the state of North Carolina, and most places across, in most states across the nation. Uh, you can donate blood at 17. And so when you think about high schools are a great location for us to go in then university, well, certainly they were impacted by the pandemic and closures. So that leads back to that shortage of blood that we were experiencing. But about 22 to 25% of all blood donations come from people that are uh, high school, 17 or older, or young adults in universities. And so it's an important demographic for us to Get involved, get them to start donating uh, blood early, so they can become lifetime donors and help uh, patients in need.
1: It's always about getting them early, get them on this track of yeah, giving been, back right. early.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly, Te- you know, teach them, and they'll hopefully continue to give throughout their life if they're healthy enough.
1: Now, I'm going to talk about disaster relief just after this, but you know, this is a little bit different. Um, but I do want to also point out that the Red Cross provides different training programs
0: you know and you probably have uh, taken a cpr first aid class many people listening perhaps have taken one they need to renew those classes because they'll forget the skills we know that ambulance services as an example even in the best of cities under the best responses take about five minutes to get to the scene if someone has suddenly suffered from a cardiac arrest or severe injury somebody has to take care that citizen responder needs to be there uh, and have those skills. So we teach uh, CPR, first aid, uh, each and every day over the course of the year uh, here in the listening area. About 53,000 people take those courses to help save and sustain a life in an emergency. You, you know, you check the individual, you uh, make sure the scene is safe, then you call 911, then you administer care, and you can learn those skills through the Red Cross for first aid, CPR, and the use of the automatic external defibrillator to help uh, recharge a life if their heart has indeed stopped
1: going back to the volunteers this is this is this is something i'd like to credit the organization for because i have worked with nonprofits and volunteers are so important they affect your bottom line and you know the money that you don't have to pay in paychecks can go to causes and so it is i applaud that volunteers make up 90% of your workforce
0: I always remind our paid staff team, you know, if the volunteers go home, if we don't treat them well, if we don't engage them and make them feel like they're delivering the mission, uh, they go home, we still have to deliver that mission. And it's uh, a challenge to do at a 2 o'clock, at 2 a.m. fire, uh, delivering blood to a hospital at 5 a.m. if it's needed, uh, helping to um, respond to a, a hurricane or a flood or a fire, being at the military treatment facility as a volunteer, all of those are key Impact on our delivering the mission, and as you mentioned, uh, 90% of our workforce is volunteers, and they give thousands of hours, they give their time, their talent, and their heart to serve in the community. Do you have a story to share about any of their volunteer experiences? Well, you know, as an excellent example, you know, many of us will remember back to Hurricane Katrina and what its impact was on the city of New Orleans and the coastline of Louisiana and Mississippi, and I remember. As uh, we were anticipating landfall, one of our emergency response vehicles that's equipped to go into the scene and deliver uh, emergency supplies and food uh, was taken out by a gentleman by the name of Alex. And Alex uh, left, and we never saw him or heard from him again for 35 days. And I remember he came back, uh, and he was uh, 39 pounds lighter. Uh, And I said, Alex, what in the world? He said, there was so much need. I had to meet it. I didn't even take time many days to eat. Ah. And so he said, that's why I lost the the weight. But it was because I wanted to serve and saw the need greater than my need to eat was the needs of the people affected by Hurricane Katrina. And so many of our volunteers uh, respond that way. They put their uh, needs behind the needs of others because our mission is to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies. And that's some of the uh, passion our volunteers have.
1: Wow, that is really something. Wow. Um, and and let's go right into the different disasters that the Red Cross helps out with. Can you tell us about the types and maybe share a story about uh, what impact it had on an individual for that as well?
0: you know uh, most people think that um you know you drive by the fire station and you think you see the fire truck sitting there and they're waiting for a fire call and there's going to be a house fire well according to the chief of uh, uh the fire department here in uh, Raleigh they um they respond to the 2% of their calls are to house fires the rest are to other emergencies and the same for us many people think oh we go to floods and tornadoes and hurricanes but our most common disaster is that every 7 minutes in America somebody's home catches on fire, and burns to the ground. That happens uh, in my area of responsibility on average about four times a day. So our volunteers are going to the scene. The fire department rushes at 911. You call them. They get there. And then um, after the fire department arrives, they call out the Red Cross volunteers because they save lives and property and then know that they're going to roll up their hoses and leave the family. So about 63,000 houses in the United States burn the ground every year and the american red cross volunteers are there Mm. and you've got floods hurricanes tornadoes like back in december that were clearly on people's minds that went through kentucky right before christmas Mm. those are the larger scale events that we plan for and prepare for and help on a mass scale disaster services is also about preparing people responding uh, to the event and helping the families recover so it's recovery looks like Where am I going to stay? What food am I going to have? What clothing do I need? What financial resources? What medicines did I lose? How do I recover? And what are the community resources that can help me uh, when a fire occurs? And so it's all combined together to help, again, alleviate human suffering in the face of that emergency
1: any Any time you've been out on one or someone shared a story with you of what that impact meant to them when you came out either for a fire or a tornado or any of these different um you know the uh, these different helpful aids that you've provided
0: you know it's amazing to be in a in a shelter with someone who's lost everything
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: whether it is a flood tornado or, or a fire and you and you've got a, a Large number of people evacuated. Their first focus is mostly, I got out alive. Mm. You know, I can replace things, but we got out alive. Uh, unfortunately, about seven times a day in America, somebody di- dies in a house fire. And so we also work on a program to install smoke alarms for free. But in my interactions with those individuals, it's often they say, you know, we'll replace the stuff, but we got out alive. And mm. then the the big thank you. They never expected us to be there, right? And the fire department rolls up the hoses and puts things back on the truck. And we're there with uh, our arms around them and helping them to know what to do next. The biggest impact for disaster is the mental health toll that it takes because people say, I'll replace the things, but what do they do mentally or spiritually to begin a road to recovery and who can be alongside them? So often it's an expression of thank you, and appreciation, and I never knew the Red Cross did
1: this. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to say. A lot of people may not realize the reach and scope of the American Red Cross, and it's amazing what they've done. And if you would like to propel the continuance of their help, in particular by supporting an upcoming event, here's your chance to do so. Uh, Barry, can you tell us the 411 on the 31st Annual Red Cross Ball?
0: Yes, for here in uh, our community, our largest fundraiser every year to support that uh, mission to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies comes along as our Red Cross ball. We're still doing it virtually because COVID was spiking when we were doing all the planning. And so it is on March 26th. It is a virtual event. There is no cost to attend. We will educate you more like we've been doing with this podcast about the Red Cross. We'll have some special guests and uh, opportunities, but we'll have some wonderful Uh, Items you can bid in the live auction, like going to the Angus Barn uh, with uh, 20 people to the wine cellar and having a great meal, uh, all for uh, being the winning bidder. We're going to have vacation homes in the mountains for experiences, vacation homes at the beaches for you. We've got a Hurricanes package. uh, So we're asking folks to join on, log in to Red Cross forward slash ENC ball. So redcross.org forward slash ENC ball you can register for free you can join watch the watch the actions with us listen to the auctioneers going can be exciting telling about what we're doing and how you can make a donation or uh, make a bid a, a winning bid on an item help us to raise much needed funds in this uh, challenging time of raising funds to deliver this mission down the street across the nation and around the world
1: so, I know some of our listeners will wonder. Um, usually, it's a do you have to be present to win? Of course, this is virtual, so you don't. But if somebody puts in a bid and they have to, they can't stay to the end, I'm assuming somebody will reach out to them if they're the winner. Yeah, that's the fun thing
0: about technology these days. If you've signed on and you're the, the winner, you'll get notified. Even as you're registering, uh, it will notify you if um, I've outbid you. Mary and oh, wow. so you can up your <laughs> up your bid, uh, and that'll all, all happen is you get notified um, by phone. You have to stay online, but this is a, a the virtual event uh, isn't um, what we wanted to do, but we found it still to be the safe thing to do in the community. Uh, hopefully we'll get back to live events, but the most important part is this event will help the American Red Cross deliver the mission the mission we've been talking about here for the last mm-hmm. few minutes. Uh, and it truly is a grassroots, community-based organization. The Red Cross has to raise its money at the local level. We're not a part of the government. We don't get money out of the national, uh, federal government or the national office. It is us raising money in our communities. To meet the needs here down the street.
1: Well, you've got some amazing auction items. I know I'm going to be putting in a few bids in. I'll probably be bidding against myself because there are some goodies there. So (laughs) that is great. And just one last thing I would like you to also tell our audience, because aside from the ball, uh, you know, if you want to become part of that 90% of the workforce of volunteers, where might they go? What's a site they could go to learn more about volunteering?
0: Absolutely. It's a simple redcross.org and you'll see a banner at the top that says volunteer. The interesting part is we have over 350 volunteer opportunities, whether it's in that military program that we started off talking about, to disaster services, to blood services, to teaching first aid, CPR, and life-saving skills, or even helping us to get more volunteers. Uh, Because administering uh, volunteers and keeping them engaged uh, helping them to get their training and be able to deliver the mission is also a part of it. So there's just so many ways an individual might be able to help. You can help both in person as we come through the pandemic, and there are also virtual opportunities of an individual. So, well, I probably can't get out at 2 o'clock in the morning to a fire, uh, but how might I help the people who are on the scene? So uh, virtual positions and in-person positions, lots of ways to engage with the Red Cross and to help people prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies in our community.
1: That's the good thing about volunteering. There always seems to be something for everybody, you know, <laughs> whatever Absolutely. whatever your Absolutely. interest is. Well, thank you so much for being here and giving us all this great information. And, you know, thank you for all the good work that the Red Cross does. Well,
0: I really appreciate all the volunteers, like you mentioned earlier. They're the heart beat and a source of our energy and service delivery. Without them, we would be a lost organization. So I'm thankful for our blood donors, our volunteers, and our financial donors.
1: Thank you so much. I am so glad that we were able to learn more about this amazing organization, the American Red Cross. Wow. Wow. Do they do a lot more than I even realized. Well, we're out of time now, so it's time to high five and say goodbye. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 give generously to those in need.